Welcome to the Michigan Opportunity, an economic development discussion series featuring candid conversations with business leaders and innovators across Michigan. You'll hear firsthand accounts on how the state is driving job growth and business investment, supporting a thriving entrepreneurial ecosystem, building vibrant communities, and helping to attract and retain one of the most diverse and talented workforces in the nation. The Michigan Opportunity is brought to you by the Michigan Economic Development Corporation. To hear more discussions like this, visit the Michigan Opportunity at thegreatvoice.com. We'll be right back with more on the Michigan Opportunity. Welcome back to the Michigan Opportunity. Listen to more episodes at michiganbusiness.org forward slash podcast or download the Michigan Opportunity through your preferred podcast platform. And now your host, Ed Clemente. Welcome to the Michigan Opportunity Special Podcast. We're at the Center for Automotive Research Management Briefing Seminars at the Grand Traverse Resort. We have a great lineup of guests, and let's start out with Mark Garrison. He's the Vice President of Marketing and Communications for CAR. This is my first time here, and it's way neater. I didn't know how many people I would know here, and it's kind of surprising how many folks I've either interacted with on the podcast before, but as someone who's, you know, read about CAR and read about this conference in the past, it's pretty exciting, you know, to be here. So why don't you tell people maybe who never maybe heard of the organization ever or heard about this conference even? Sure. So uh, actually, this is my first time here, too, and I'm the one running it. So the conference is the Management Briefing Seminars, better known as MBS. Uh, attendees have, uh, we have an attendee here that's been here for 41 years coming to this conference. Uh, and so when I met him, I said, oh, well, this is my first time. He's like, oh, really? What do you do here? I'm like, I'm the one running it. Uh, so the Management Briefing Seminars is in its 58th year. And it's really designed around bringing together everyone across the automotive ecosystem to share knowledge, share trends, share insights, share research. What are the things that we need to be looking at moving forward, not just about what's happening today? And we like to have a little bit of... Uh, disagreement on some of our panels it's not panels and, and speakers who are all saying the same thing we like that constructive turbulence is the term that we're using well i mean and the reality is you know as someone who interviews a lot of people for future trends you know it is amazing how quickly trends change too and so you do need that turbulence i think to actually come up with a better compass heading in general. So you might bump against the guards once in a while, but in general, you're kind of pointing this in the direction too, right? With these uh, panels. Yeah, absolutely. And so the, the panels are the panels and speakers are all pointing us in the direction of what they're doing, what they're seeing happening, and uh, maybe doing a little prediction of the future, um, but helping guide some of the attendees on things that they might want to think about and how it works with the the projects and activities that they're working on and what they should do to um, plan for the future. Why don't you even highlight actually a few of the guests, the keynotes? Oh, the keynotes we've had this week have been uh, fantastic so far. Um, we had uh, Governor Whitmer here speaking this morning talking about all the great things going on across the automotive industry in the state of Michigan. Uh, we have uh, Thomas McMahon. Nope. Sorry, screwed that name up. That's all right. Okay. We have 
Marcus McCammon, CEO from Karma Automotive, uh, giving a keynote. Uh, he is uh, the president and CEO of a luxury EV company. And so we're going to be able to hear a little bit about what some of these new EVs that are starting up are doing. What are they doing that are different than what the established OEMs are doing? Ah. It's about providing different perspectives. And so um, I know you also have someone from Bosch, someone in from Bosch too, right? Yeah, we kicked off the conference with a keynote from Paul Thomas, president of Bosch Mobility Americas, uh, who really talked about uh, what their new investments are as a company, the direction that they're going, what they're, you know, what they think are the most important things happening from a supplier side. Um, really great way to kick off. Uh, he gave a keynote and then went into a short fireside chat with our president and CEO, Alan Amici at CAR. And um, the you have exhibits here too and sponsors, right? So who are some of the bigger sponsors? Oh, you know, you can't run a conference without the support of some fantastic sponsors. Uh, our premier sponsor this year is the Michigan Economic Development Corporation, uh, who have been where a, I work, uh, who have been a great <laughs> supporter of MBS and the Center for Automotive Research over the years. Um, they've got a great exhibit as well in our exhibit hall. Uh, we have other sponsors such as ARTC, a group based out of Taiwan, who is uh, one of our main sponsors. Um, SAP. Uh, we also have World Auto Steel, who is here doing a, uh, the kickoff of a global launch of a new uh, product uh, that they showcased a mini version of a autonomous vehicle uh, framework and called Steel Emotive. I've seen that. Yeah, it's pretty cool looking, that futuristic kind of framework. Yes, and they had uh, a little bit of a AR, VR setup too, so you could hold up an iPad, put on some goggles, and really get deep into their their project so those are some of the different exhibitors uh, we've had talent development exhibitors we've had hr exhibitors um, but we've also had a wide variety of um, suppliers uh, caresoft was one of our more recent ads where they actually brought a whole display uh, small display in our exhibit hall but then uh, up in our uh buffet lunch networking area um, they've got some body and whites and a variety of car parts that they've taken apart from traditional oem evs and startup or i shouldn't say startup anymore but teslas um, and did a comparison of what the different parts look like and you can see how um, some of these new startups and even um, companies like tesla are doing things differently but doing, still doing EVs. And they really highlight how uh, some of the OEM, traditional OEMs are using um, the same processes and mentalities of um, building the vehicles from their uh, ICE vehicles. And so they show a comparison and contrast between an OEM traditional ICE vehicle, a traditional OEM electric vehicle, and a new EV company and just looking at how different they are. It's just amazing how fast this evolution is taking place. And, you know, the good thing is a lot of it's because of necessity, right? Looking at the future, you you have to realize how you need to leapfrog sometimes versus get too bogged down in sort of older tech sometimes. And right, right. 
and thinking outside of the box and and sometimes it's you got to start with that white sheet of paper and uh, come up with a new process, a new system. Well, I want to thank again Mark Garrison, Vice President of Marketing Communications for CAR and uh, Center for Automotive Research. But thanks again for doing this today. I appreciate you taking time out of the schedule today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. We'll be right back with more on the Michigan Opportunity. joining us on the Michigan Opportunity, brought to you by the Michigan Economic Development Corporation. Whether you're looking for small business resources, exploring an expansion or relocation, or seeking a world-class workforce, visit michiganbusiness.org to learn how you can make it in Michigan. Your host of the Michigan Opportunity, Ed Clemente. We're very fortunate to have uh, Kevin Green with Focus Hope, and welcome to the show, Kevin. Hey, thank you so much for having us, uh, Ed. We're happy to be here. So, a question I might have: some who are some of your partners? Because I mean, obviously, Focus Hope is legendary. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I've worked with it. Like I, I think I mentioned earlier, I was a trustee for Wayne County Community College, and I used to meet uh, with the. I can't remember the two women that were kind of running Eleanor mm-hmm. Josidas. Yep. So Eleanor Josidas yes. uh, is legendary uh, at Focus Hope, uh, one of our uh, co-founders. I think I would be remiss if I didn't mention that uh, Continental uh, is a uh, sponsoring partner uh, of Focus Hope. Uh, but we have several other uh, partners as well. Who um, else? So uh, Ford Motor Company, GM, Excellent. Uh, Flex and Gate, uh, Magna International, uh, a long list of partners and supporters. And we have a saying uh, at Focus Open is that we don't do anything on our own. We do it on the strength of our partnerships. And um, that's why you're at this conference, right? Because obviously some of the people you just mentioned have people here at this conference. Certainly. So Continental has sponsored us uh, for the conference. Uh, we bring a, we're so happy to bring a student group uh, to the conference. And overarchingly what we see is that it's difficult to be what you cannot see. And this allows our students to be exposed to the industry. Uh, professionals in the industry and to really understand the emerging technologies. Yeah, and in fact, that's what the podcast is kind of about sometimes because that's Mm -hmm. very key is, you know, you obviously, as you know, because this is like stackable certification I think you're doing, right? Yeah, so uh, we offer uh, pre-employment programs uh, to our participants uh, and job placement, and then we follow that up with uh, collegiate programs and apprenticeship programs. And, and, and this governor obviously has made it preeminent to make sure we not only have the talent in the state and we attract talent, but we grow the talent, too, and that's what you're doing, right? Yeah, the state of Michigan and, more, and in particular Governor Whitmer have been huge supporters of Focus Hope uh, throughout her uh, tenure, uh, and we just thank uh, everyone uh, that, that helps us. So. Yeah, and so how many students do you have here today, actually? Um, so we got seven students uh, total. You hear uh, from two uh, today, uh, Focus Hope's finest. Uh, but we train about 700 students a year across all of our platforms. Do you, do you probably, not to trick you, but uh, do you know how many students roughly Focus Hope has probably run through its doors over time? Focus it's got to be in the thousands or some number. Yeah. I don't know what it Focus is. Focus Hope opened the Machinist Training Institute in 1981. Okay. Our first graduates broke race and gender barriers throughout southeastern Michigan, and we continue to break those barriers. We offer a holistic approach to training, uh, and we've trained over 15,000 
uh, students uh, through the course of our programs. Um. All right, well, let's get one of the students on. Uh, Tarek Thomas, right? And I, uh, anyway, uh, get that mic close to you, close to your about a fist away. Yep. And so, and you got a good deep voice, which is key. Um, so, Terry, so what do you, what have you done? This is your first time, I presume, up in this conference. Yes, sir. This is my first time. I'm loving it, loving the new atmosphere, the new environment that I've not, I'm not used to, and I'm very appreciative for Focus Hope for inviting me for. Uh, continental for support and focus hope so I'm just appreciative to everybody for bringing me here so I could keep keep learning have you been to Driver City before no not, yeah, even, no, that's not good. even a city so that's why I'm just enjoying every moment hopefully you get a chance to guys to go hit some nature or at least see some of the water while you guys are up here I don't know how much free time you got but yeah, uh, it's I worth love it. nature so yeah yeah I no there's some great it. trails I went hiking yesterday yeah. so um, so what gets you interested in the automobile industry or uh, just the mobility industry? Uh, actually, I never really knew how involved IT and technology was in vehicles. So uh, Mr. Green kind of really opened my eyes bringing me here to show me that IT is in the automotive industry and it's totally been an eye opener. I, I've been learning so much, been meeting so many wonderful people in wonderful places in their industries, respective industries or respective companies. So I've just been loving, loving every moment, networking until I go to sleep. Yeah, we had a guest on before and she said that, I'll give you a quiz, don't feel bad if you get the mm. number wrong, I got it wrong. But how many microchips do you think are in the modern cars? Because modern cars mm. are basically going to be like laptops on wheels, right? Yeah. So how many microchips do you think are in today's cars, roughly? I would, I would just say about, about 20. I see, I guessed 100. And it's over 1,000. See, yeah, I knew I knew I was going to be off, but... No, yeah, no, no. I mean, I was, crazy. like I said, I was way off. So, you know, and, and, and just think about how much of them are going to be needing that servicing. Yep. And that's where you guys are going to be coming in to look at how we do mm -hmm. that because you're going to spend more time, you know, like whenever your phone gets like an upgrade, mm -hmm. you'll be having to do that with cars now, right? Yep. And so you guys are the ones that are going to have to do it for us because I'm not going to be smart enough to figure it out. So, yeah. well, all right, we're going to also jump on. I want to thank you again, Tarek, for doing this today. And you yep. grew up, uh, tell me, I forgot where you went to high school. I, was uh, I went to, I graduated from Livonia Churchill. I grew up uh, in the Oakland County area. Uh, my dad went to Focus Hope when he was younger. Oh, they, wonderful. They helped yeah. him out. They gave him opportunities that he didn't think he had. So it's always, Focus Hope will always have a place in my heart. All right. Well, thanks again, Tarek. I appreciate you going through the program, and good luck in your career. Okay. Thank you for the chance. No problem. We'll be right back with more on the Michigan Opportunity. Thanks for joining us today on the Michigan Opportunity. To hear more discussions like this, visit the Michigan Opportunity at thegreatvoice.com. Back again, the Center for Automotive Research Show. And we're fortunate to have one of the founders, Thomas Manganello. He is the working now for Warner Norcross. Welcome to the show. Thank you. 
Glad to be here. And I think I forgot to add Judd, but is that the no, addition? No, that's fine. We go by Warner Norcross. Warner Norcross, Judd, Warner. You know, just call us a, call us Warner and we're there. <laughs> well, we really appreciate you because, I mean, I just met you, obviously, at the here, but uh, we're up here in Traverse City. But I didn't know you started it or helped start it. Well, I didn't help start this event. Uh, what, so... I co-chair the auto group at Warner Norcross and Judd, and we're a we're a 250 lawyer law firm um, in Michigan, uh, and we focus the auto practice focuses on representing suppliers. And when I took over the auto group, uh, the auto industry group at Warner, 2004 2005, I realized that. I needed to expand my personal knowledge of the auto industry, so I started traveling around the country going to auto-related events, and I stumbled on events put on by the Tennessee Automotive Manufacturers Association, the Alabama Automotive Manufacturers Association, came back to Michigan and said, hey, I want to join this group in Michigan, (laughs) only to find out it didn't exist. Now, there were great organizations like the Center for Auto Research, which, which is focused on research, but it's not a membership organization. There was a great organization, and, and I'm still very, my firm is very active in it, called the um, OESA, which is now part of, it's, it's called MEMA, Motor Equipment Manufacturers Association, another great organization. But what we did with Michado is I decided to, with, with, with some permission from my firm and a lot of legwork from other investors, we, I, I wrote a white paper and I came to this event and circulated it. I went to the Mackinac Policy Conference and circulated it and got enough interest that we launched it in 2007. And it, it did really, really well. Uh, we grew very quickly. We had Toyota and Nissan, General Motors, all actively involved, a lot of suppliers, a lot of support people. It's an industry cluster association. So it's everybody Everybody that's in the industry cluster that's in Michigan with a Michigan focus can join. Um, I mean, we have global companies. Obviously, most automotive companies are global, but they operate locally. You know, GM, Ford, Stellantis, Chrysler, um, Toyota, Nissan, Hyundai. They all have major investments in Michigan, so it's in their best interest to have the auto industry uh, you know, kind of organized and, and collaborative when it comes to Michigan-related industry issues so we launched mish auto it, it took off then you know we know what happened in 2009 8 10 um we kind of we shuttered it and i negotiated um i was running it i was the chairman i negotiated moving the our group into the detroit regional chamber because we really needed more organization and back office and then uh we did that we we relaunched in 2011 12 and we hired Glenn Stevens to be our executive director and it's just grown from there and it's been very beneficial to me personally and the firm as a group because as we only represent suppliers it really helps us focus on you know supplier related issues um, and 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 then all the other issues that you know industry issues in Michigan that affect the supply base and um, you know I've been coming to this event the car event pretty much every year since 2004 and uh, you know this is a great event uh, it's a very different kind of event than what we put on at Mish Auto um, but they're all important and and you know the importance of all the events is tacit communication you know sitting across from somebody face to face meeting people that you've never met before 
I've met a lot of different people here this year, uh, people related to the battery industry, um, a lot of uh, you know consultancies, uh, manufacturers. It's a great way for me to touch base with old clients and, I mean, long-term clients, a better way of putting it. They're not old. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and um, it's important to keep, it's, no matter what we think and no matter how certain companies the way they operate it's a relationship based industry just like every other industry and to build relationships it's it's really beneficial to be in contact personal contact you know face to face hear people talk uh, listen to their stories um, it, it, you know listen to their frustrations where what their future plans are um, it helps us be better lawyers um, because we really really want to focus on you know, we, we take pride in practicing in the context of our client's business. So what are they trying to do and how can we help you get there? Rather than, you know, kind of the traditional stereotype of lawyers that, you know, we're the people that are in the back room saying no to everything. Well, you know, a couple of things on that. One is, uh, thank you, actually, for getting this organization, the Machado started. We've actually had uh, Glenn on three different times mm -hmm. over the last couple of years uh, for different reasons, but obviously mainly for Michado. But secondly, um, I've also talked to, it's interesting, we have a lot of international people we work with, but they're surprised at how much auto industry sort of related business is here and the spinoff from it. And the third thing people are surprised about, too, is that we have a patent office here. And I don't know if you're an intellectual property lawyer. I am but not, but we have a big intellectual property practice, and it's great having the, the, uh, the office down on the Detroit River. Yeah, and, and, and I think it just shows you how important especially in this era of like maybe reshoring or whatever it's going to be called or whatever's going to happen, that you have that opportunity for innovation and intellectual property capture here in the state. You know, um, years ago I was at this event, and I won't talk about who it was, but it was somebody from the state long gone who, you know, made the comment um, in, in, in response to some pretty heated discussions about the value of the industry and the value of Machado and organizations like Car said, you know, why would we put state money into a dying business? And which uh, I, my response was, well, because that dying business represents about 70 cents out of every dollar spent in the state of Michigan, either directly or indirectly. And it's, it, yes, we need to diversify, but why would you turn your back on the engine that drives the economy in Michigan? Back then, this was, you know, uh, there was a view that manufacturing was long gone, never going to come back, and that the industry was dying. And now, the automotive industry is like the hottest industry in the country. It is a, it Globally. is a, it, it's a it's computer on wheels. Yeah. Yeah. And electrification, I mean, you know, yes, we face future challenges. And the transition from ice to uh, battery electric is going to be huge. And, uh, and it's not going to be overnight. It's not going to be, you know, people are very um, aggressive in their predictions on volumes. But it, it, it's clearly ramping up, and we're, but we're in the knee of the, you know, curve. And, and we're, we're going we're gonna to be there pretty quick. Well, I can tell you, I've never heard so much just doing these podcasts about the demand for vocational jobs now and how critical, like, STEM is now turning out to be and you know in the backside of covid now how people 
are so much different about what they want to do. So it's yeah. it is a very challenging. But at the same time, I think auto industries always faced things like this, and I think it's great that uh, there's opportunities. Like, because you're saying it's almost giving it like a new shot in the arm, a booster with either autonomous vehicles or with electrification oh, yeah. and reshoring. And, you know, there's just, it's exciting time. It period. is. It is. It's yeah. a, I mean, it's really, it's a, it's a very exciting time. I mean, I'm towards the tail end of my career. I've been doing this for 42 years. But, uh, I'm excited. It's kind of like I want to stick around to see what happens. Well, I wanted to come to this conference, too, you yeah. know, because I know that just watching all the new announcements for projects throughout the state that Governor Whitmer has been doing, that she's taking it seriously and mm -hmm. mobility serious, and uh, we'll see how that plays out. But once again, I want to I thank you for doing this again, uh, Tom Magnello. I probably did it wrong again. Oh, Manganello. Right. Correct. That's better. And uh, thanks again for doing this, and thanks for getting this organization going, Mish Auto, and we're great, all the stuff you've done, and hope to cross paths with you in the future, too. Thank you. Well, thank, thank me, but thank my firm for supporting it. <laughs> yes. Bye-bye. <laughs> all right. We'll be right back with more on the Michigan Opportunity. Welcome back to the Michigan Opportunity. And now, your host, Ed Clemente. Back again at the car conference, and uh, we're fortunate to have Jay Johnson. He's the CEO for Behavioral Elements. Why don't you kind of unpack that for us? Because you couldn't really tell exactly what that means, you know, just from the title. Yeah, absolutely. So thank you for having me. Uh, Behavioral Elements is a program that we designed to help organizations and people change their behaviors and sort of the founding philosophy of it is that you know despite the fact that we have thoughts or feelings or whatever else those we don't really get to control they just kind of wash over us however we can control our behavior and it's choosing the correct behaviors for the right situation that makes us ultimately successful or not successful so behavioral elements is a program that helps us to understand where our behaviors come from uh, it maps the four drive framework, which is a framework that was put together by two management scientists from Harvard University, Dr. Paul Lawrence and Dr. Nitin Noria. And we actually designed an assessment to help us understand what pulls us, what pushes us, how we make decisions, why we have conflicts with certain people. So we utilize this to really help organizations shift their culture and uh, be more effective. And I mean, obviously, uh, all those elements, uh, yeah, I used to teach high school, so okay. I know what the behavioral <laughs> things can change around quite a bit, yeah. and why kids didn't get along with each other, all those things. But how does that apply to this conference? And I imagine uh, you're probably in demand, I would guess, because you're one of the keynote speakers. So why don't you just sort of say how that integrates and dovetails into this? Yeah, so the one thing that we've found um, pretty consistently in every country that we've trained and every industry that we've worked with is there's only one constant, and that's people. And there's a lot of people problems, particularly in the automotive industry. So when we look at things like engagement, you know, how engaged is your workforce? Are they 
uh, you know, are they that first level of engagement where you pay me money and I do a task? Are they the second level of engagement where you pay me money, I do a task, but I really like the work that I'm doing? Or are they that higher level engagement, which is you pay me money, I do the task, I like the work, but I see how my valuable contributions are leaving a legacy or creating something. So engagement is a big aspect of, you know, people management and uh, things like retention. We're seeing a lot of people that are not necessarily demonstrating the same levels of loyalty that we saw in previous generations. Well, why? What, what's happening there? So this program really helps us to understand what are those core motivational drivers and then helps an organization to really tap into those to uh, elevate people, to empower them, to give them that space for them to be at their best. And, and, and this is just just from listening to you, my question is that um, I notice it also not just even as like a, it's, it's almost like there's a different sort of triangulation to this. It's not just generational. I see people, older people, the same thing. And as the hybrid sort of situations rolling out, how that sort of loyalty or that sort of uh, like relationship with an organization is, I wouldn't say it's disintegrating, but it's definitely different than the one I grew up with. And I think people, is, is that something I would imagine how you keep people, like you said, retention, but also attraction. I mean, both those elements are tied into that. Absolutely. So, you know, when we look at the, the current workforce, and that's what my talk is going to be on is workforce development. Um, so when we look at the current workforce and we think about the things that this workforce has gone through that maybe previous generations haven't, you know, it, everybody talks about COVID and remote work and yeah, obviously that's the most recent, but let's look back to 2007, 2008, 2009, you know, you've had two instances in the last two decades, you know, within this workforce and this generational workforce where we've seen, um, where we've seen companies have to make very difficult choices. And making those choices often came at the cost of somebody's employment. So when we think about how that has impacted people, whether they were a Generation Z and they watched their parents lose their position, or whether they are a millennial and couldn't find a job, or whether they're Gen X and they were the ones that were cut or let go, that has an impact on their psyche when it comes to my loyalty or my engagement level at a workplace. So what we try to help organizations understand is where did those underlying motivations come from for somebody to quiet quit? Where does somebody, uh, you know, where do they think about, okay, well, I'm just going to do the minimum level of whatever because I'm not going to burn out like I watched my parents burn out. Okay, well, what does that mean for an organization and how can we tap into people to bring them to that higher level performance? That's exactly what this program does. You know, and this is just, maybe I'm wrong in my observation, but I just noticed even the deterioration, say, of pensions mm -hmm. and how everything became like sort of a 401k where people then, it's like a piece of luggage now versus something that ties you to an organization, you know, Health plans sort of similar too sometimes, right? You yeah. get the menu health plan versus the traditional all-included health plan. And so those were always retention tools that no longer exist almost in very few places. And I guess that would also, that would be Gen X that probably 
kind of got it worse than anybody because they were there for that transition for both. Right. Well, you know, and when we think about rolling over our 401k, we're not locked into a place. So that means that companies need to develop and design other tools. And that's where we come in is my background's in psychology, neuroscience and communication. And we really try to help them to understand how can we get into that intrinsic motivation? How can we dig into those values? How can we help people see how their their contributions in the workplace are really changing the world? Because let's be honest, in the automotive industry, uh, every single organization is helping people be more mobile, is helping people stay connected. And when we think about that higher level purpose of what the automotive industry is doing, it's really powerful to help an employee to see my contribution here, maybe I'm just putting a you know bolt into the side of this piece, but my contribution here is keeping families safe. My contribution here is helping to reduce emissions in the environment. My contributions here are helping people be mobile and move around the country. So it's really about tapping into that sense of purpose. And But we have to understand what are those employee values? What are those employees' purpose? to be able to align it to the company or, uh, you know, the company level. And I would also think that technology, this is not like, you can look at history and see an echo even because technology has sped things up so much. And of course, then you've also got like AI and more autonomous, not autonomous, but like sort of automation of like what were manual jobs to, you know, it's, it's, it's got to be a huge transfer that never ex- existed before in history that makes it even more complex, I guess, for humans and HR people too. Yeah, absolutely. You know, when we see the ever evolving technology, I mean, if we think about it, like <laughs> our species of human being has been on the planet for 185,000 years and the iPhone is, you know, 20 years old. So when we think about you know, the technology and how fast it's advanced over the last 50 years, our biological evolution is not caught up. So that's really what the elements gets into is understanding what are those drives that are sitting beneath the surface and how do we tap into those? When we think about the evolution of technology, what does that mean for uh, my satisfaction? What does that mean for, you know, part of our business actually does marketing and communications and you know as this ai has started to come out i've had staff come up to me and say does this mean i'm going to be out of a job soon because it looks like ai can do all of these things and i said no because somebody still has to have that creative human spark and an understanding behind you know what it is because ai is only as good as the inputs somebody has to be able to put the inputs in and you know that's that's really where this kind of yeah right and and it's it's a constantly moving target with different values i mean take a look at even something more recently like the uh shift from twitter to x and if you had your whole life based on like a work platform for twitter being like your substantive and all of a sudden it's changing i mean i I guess that is one of the key lessons for the future is going to be adaptation and evolution and how quickly you can pivot and things like that i would guess Well, the funny thing, so I, you know, whenever I'm giving a talk on, you know, management structures, one of the things I say is, uh, if you've ever gotten that phone call, I need you to come down to my office. In the history of no one, where they're like, woohoo, I'm getting a raise, right? 
Uh, our brain's not designed that way. Our brain's designed to help us survive. So when we hear that phone call, we immediately assume the worst. We start going, oh my God, am I going to get fired? Did I make some mistake? You know, you get down to the boss's office and the boss is like, do you want red pens or do you want blue ones? And you're like, oh, I just created this entire scenario and story to protect myself. Well, you know, when we think about those kinds of uncertainties, it, it affects everything and change. And the world is perpetually changing and it's changing faster. So every organization is experiencing, every employee is experiencing some level of uncertainty. And being able to guide them effectively helps with things like retention, helps with things like attracting new people. When you can create that sense of stability within uh, you know, within your employee base, that's when your workforce is really going to perform for you. Well, I, I, I just want to thank again. I, and I think you're based in Grand Rapids, you said. Uh, Livonia. Livonia. Yeah, oh, you're no, not in Detroit okay. area. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Jay Johnson, again, he's the chief executive officer for Behavioral Elements. And I know I could talk to you for a lot longer about a lot of these things, but I appreciate you taking time and coming here to the conference. And I wish you good luck on your presentation, too. Thank you so much. Thanks for joining us today on the Michigan Opportunity. To hear more discussions like this, visit the Michigan Opportunity at thegreatvoice.com. The Michigan Opportunity is brought to you by the Michigan Economic Development Corporation. Whether you're looking for small business resources, exploring an expansion or relocation, or seeking a world-class workforce, visit michiganbusiness.org to learn how you can make it in Michigan.